Hi, everybody. This is Vicki. It is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Um, yesterday, I put out a message that Father gave, and it was literally a refreshing, and it was a washing of the water of the Word in so many ways. It was full of encouragement. It was full of, remi- of reminders of Scripture, of things that God said, and who He is. Just powerful. If you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back and and do that. You can find it on our channel. You can find it on my blog. You can find it on our website. Um, and all the information about how to contact us is in the description box. Thank you, by the way, everyone who has joined us, um, who has subscribed, everyone who is helping us financially, everyone who's sharing the videos, everyone who's commenting and liking. I've been praying this morning, asking Father, you guys have been asking him to please take the messages as far and wide as he wants, because these are from him. These are his words. These are his teachings. These are his uh, prophetic utterances. There's just, there's so much stuff. And it's his music that he gives Chuck. And so you guys just, I've been praying about that. I hope that whether you've subscribed or not, if you're just listening for the first time, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I should have said that in the beginning. But um, whether or not you subscribe or anything like that, please share these messages. It just It's so important, especially in the hour we live in and even beyond that. You know, it's not just about this time and the things we're going through, but it's about how Father is trying to prepare us to help us see Him more clearly and to prepare us for the day that we will stand face to face with Him. So I'm just really excited about the things that He's sharing with us. And uh, this morning I was asking Him about the whole thing about, I asked Him, first of all, I said to Him, Father, I asked you for your words for your people this morning. And uh, I knew that there were people that were still trying to, still chewing on those words that came out of the message yesterday about our minds, how we're supposed to guard our minds and not be afraid. And here's what he said when I said, um, do you have any words you want me to share this morning with your people? And here's what he said. He said, now this isn't everybody. So First of all, don't anybody go into a fence, okay? <laughs> Do not go, don't let the enemy have that kind of room in you. He said they're not even using the words I gave them. Okay. Um, and what I was thinking about once again were the issues that have to deal with our minds, God telling us to guard our minds, and that's when he said they're not even using the words I gave them. So, we're going to go on a little journey this morning. Some of you who have been with us for a while know that several months back, I don't know when exactly, I'm trying to get my, okay, several months back, Father said that he was taking us into his classroom, and there is some powerful stuff in what he's given me this morning for us, but I know not everybody's going to listen all the way through. I know people are going to go, oh, I already know that, I already know that, and well, that's awesome. If you already know everything that, that I'm going to say that he's given and how he's going to tie things together, well, that's awesome. <laughs> but a lot of us don't. And um, so 
So just because you know what I'm talking about in the very beginning, please don't discard. Please don't stop listening. Please hang in there. Uh, because even if this isn't for you, it may be for somebody you know. It may be for somebody you know, that you love, that you've been praying for, that you care about. And if you will endure to the end of this, you may realize that it's absolutely something someone else needs to hear and then you'll share it, but hopefully. But, um, but sometimes I think we just close down before we even hear what Father has to say. And I have no doubt that he's given me these things together this morning and because anyway I just have no doubt but I'm asking everybody please pray please pray about these things okay okay so he's he started me in Ephesians 6 verse 12 and I'm going to interject the things I heard him saying to share with you as I go along throughout this whole message okay Ephesians 6 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And breaking that down, we're not wrestling with people, we're not fighting with people, or really even our own flesh. So we have to stop saying, I can't. This is one of the biggest downfalls in the body of Christ. People that say, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't make it. First of all, don't we think God is big enough to help us make it? Okay, I don't want to run ahead of myself, but that's one of the first things we have to do. We have to stop saying, I can't. Yes, you can. You're still arguing with your own flesh. You're in doubt and unbelief when you say those kind of things because you really are saying God isn't big enough to help you. He isn't big enough to get you where he wants you to be. So you have to take those words out of your mouth and out of your head. Um, so he said, now I'll go back and get back into the scripture. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against our, the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic spiritual powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So look at what we're battling, you guys. We're battling rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces of evil. We got all this stuff that we're fighting with, and we keep looking at people and thinking people are who we're fighting with, but that's not true. We may not agree with somebody, we may not like the way they act, dress, look, talk, live, whatever, but our war is not against people. Our war is against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces of evil. Okay? So, it's really important that we take every thought captive. Yesterday, somebody wrote, uh, had a question about something, and, and the Lord reminded me of the dream that I've shared with you before, or the vision. I honestly can't remember which it was. It's been, oh gosh, in the 1980s. It's been a long time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in that experience, I was standing in a hallway, and all these dark forces, some of you have heard this before, were, they, were like, uh, they, they were like shadows or like birds, but they were shadows. They were black, and they just kept flying at my head at my head from every direction, every direction. I would turn and rebuke this one and it would go, but then another one would be coming from another direction. It was non-stop. And I know yesterday in the message, that was one of the things Father said, these things, and he's told us before, these trials, these temptations, they're going to increase. They're not gonna stop. The enemy's not, he's not getting tired. He's not getting tired, okay? He is out full force with all of his demonic entities, all of the rulers, authorities, cosmic power, spiritual forces. 
of evil. He's out in power because his days are numbered and he knows it. Okay, <clears throat> so he wants to take as many of us out as he can. Okay, so we need to take every thought captive. Isaiah 41, 10 through 13. And if you want to, you know, he... He told me before when he first told me he was taking us into his classroom he said tell them to get pen and paper I should have told you that at the beginning of this because you need to get pen and pa paper if you haven't you can go ahead and stop the message and go get that uh, if you want to take notes okay Isaiah 41 10 through 13 he says fear not for I am with you be not dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand now I'm gonna stop First of all, in these verses, he was talking to the house of Israel. And we're going to do just a little building here. We're going to put some things together that maybe some of us don't know. Abraham is the father of the household of faith. God made promises to Abraham because Abraham believed him. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel. By God. Israel gave birth to 12 sons, and we, we call them the 12 tribes of Israel. God made promises to Jacob. So Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. If we believe him, if we follow him, we are of the household of faith. It's important for us to understand that because if we don't know our identity, we're always going to have that place in our minds where the enemy can play with us and go, but really are you one of God's kids and all that kind of stuff. We're going to solidify that here in a little bit. Just hang on. But the thing that he was saying in these three verses in Isaiah in chapter 41, he's saying, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. And then here is something really critical. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So when the enemy comes and says, you can't, it's not going to happen. You know, you don't have this, you know, you're not going to make God saying, I'm going to help you. Don't be afraid. I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. Who or what can take anything out of God's hand? Absolutely nothing. There's scripture that even talks about that. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. I, that wasn't part of my, and I'm just going to just want to keep going because there's so much to cover here. So he goes on in, uh, in Isaiah and he says, Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. All right, let's stop again for a second. So who's contending against you? If you're not fighting against flesh and blood, who's contending against you? Is it the rulers and the authorities and all of that we just talked about? Well, Father's telling us, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. There were people that were coming against Israel when uh, 
that the Lord's referring to here. But I believe with all my heart he wants us to look beyond that and see that there are spiritual rulers and wickedness and high places and all of those things that he just talked about in Ephesians. And he's saying they're going to be put to shame and they're going to be confounded. And the ones that are striving against you will be as nothing and they shall perish. You guys, look at what's going to happen to the enemy when God says, okay, it's done, it's over. Look at where he gets to go. Okay, so we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against these powers and authorities and rulers of spiritual weakness and high places and all of that. So going on in Isaiah, he says, you shall see, you're going to look for those who contend with you, but you will not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. Take it back. Take it back to what I just said. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting evil. And the thing is, God says to you, you're going to look for him. You're not even going to find him. Those that are warring against you will be as nothing at all. And he's telling that for reasons that we're going to get into here in a bit. He says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. We need to know that one of the benefits of having the mind of Christ, which he, you know, people say, well, I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And they still live in defeat all of the time. We need to know that one of the benefits of having the mind of Christ is that we know who our father is and our God is. Messiah didn't have a question about that. He knew exactly who his father was. He knew exactly who his God was. He even said before he left, I, I'm leaving. I got to go to my father and your father, to my God and your God. There was no question in his mind about his identity or about God's authority. If we don't know that, if we don't know who our father and our God is, then our confidence in his promises of protection and help and his power and authority can be messed with. The enemy can mess with that in our minds because we haven't really believed that he is who he says he is, that he's our father and that he's our God. So we have to settle this in our minds. We have to choose to believe it. We don't get anything from God if we're wavering. And that leads me to the next scripture, which is in James first chapter verses through two through eight and I'm going to go ahead and read it to you it says count it all joy count it all joy when you meet trials of any kind of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness okay well, I'll stop right there because you know that's a lot of words does anybody uh, have any questions about that what that means every time we go through a trial Every time we endure something, whether it's a health issue or a relationship issue or a financial issue or uh, a, fa a family issue, uh, whether it's a death or a, a, a major move or, you know, somebody coming against us in some way to cause some kind of problem in our lives or in the lives of the people we love, every time we go through something, or even the thoughts of our minds, what we allow, what we choose to allow. Every trial, when the enemy is assaulting us mentally, every trial is a test. 
And you know, and it says right here in James, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So in other words, as you go through and you endure and you refuse to turn away from God, it's like that scripture where he talks about setting your face like flint. As you go through and refuse to turn away, your faith is being tested and you are becoming steadfast. And in other words, you are being strengthened. You're resolved. You are more resolute than you were before because you're enduring. It doesn't mean that the tests are easy. That's why they're called tests. It doesn't mean that the trials are comfortable. That's why they're called trials, you guys. We're going through hard things on purpose. On purpose, God is purifying us. We are in the refiner's fire. And it isn't just about the outward things that are going on in our lives. It's truly about the things that are going on in our minds and where we're choosing to stand when we go through those trials. Are we being wimpy? Again, I just, you know, the Lord's reminding me of the people that say, I just can't. It's too hard. It's too much. Who is your God? You just have to ask yourself, when you let things like that come out of your mouth, who is your God? What kind of God do you have? If you have a God that's not capable of getting you through something, that's not a God. You need to get rid of that God. You just need to tell that God to take a hike. Because my God, the uh, our Father and our God, the one who is the creator of all things, who is the Lord God Almighty, who has no equal, who is undefeatable, who is all-powerful, has all authority, he can get us through anything. So when we say, I can't, we have to ask ourselves, well, who is our God exactly? So I'm going to read that to you again. Count it all joy when you meet trials of any kinds, of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect or its perfect work. Let it happen. Allow it to happen. Let it become all that Father's trying to accomplish in you. Don't fight against it when it's going on. Don't sit and complain and moan and groan. Instead, instead of saying, oh, Father, I don't know why I have to go through this and why am I, you know, don't, don't be a baby. We can't be a baby. And uh, listen, I have been a baby many times in my life, so I'm not saying anything to you that I haven't either walked through or I'm not currently walking through. I'm telling you the things Father's saying to me to share with all of us wherever we have need to hear these words, okay? Okay, so he said, let steadfastness have its full effect or its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, lacking in nothing nothing. I just have to stop and let that sink in for a second, you guys. When we allow the trials that we go through to be things that God is able to use to strengthen us, when we remember that everything we go through is for our good and for His glory because we've been called according to His purposes, with each trial, we get a little bit stronger and we get a little bit stronger. And we're going to talk about what we're getting stronger in. Faith is one of those things that they're that, uh, right, that uh, James is talking about here. But God's doing something. He's doing amazing things, and, and we're going to get into that. So we let steadfastness, hanging in there, hanging in there, enduring, not turning away, believing him to be who he says he is, even though we can't see and we don't understand what's going on 
you know, why these things are happening if all we can see is that God is allowing the test or the trial to strengthen us and he usually gets a whole lot more than just one thing out of any situation. But if we can see even that much, then that steadfastness will become like steel in our spine and we will get to where we don't turn away, but we believe him. Let it have its lasting, its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. One of the things that happens to a lot of God's children is that we walk around and we think we are in lack. We think we're missing out on something. We think something's wrong. We don't have what we need and all of that kind of stuff. And it just, you know, again, we're talking about what's going on in our brains, in our minds. It, it just shoots us all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. What did they lack? Not one single thing. They had everything. They had everything. Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. He's walking right alongside of his, his creator. They're having conversation back and forth. Can you even imagine what that must have been like? I can't. I, I mean, I just think, wow, that's awesome that God would, he, I mean, just walking around, talking to Adam. They're having a conversation. This is the creator of everything, you guys. But the enemy was able to convince them they were in lack. They were missing something. And this is one of the things he's addressing right here. The Lord is addressing. Let steadfastness have its full effect. Stay faithful. Believe him. Don't turn to the right or the left. Our father doesn't turn to the right or left. We're his kids. We shouldn't be turning to the right or the left either. We need to be, when it comes to this whole faith thing, we need to be believing him fully for what he has said and for who he is so that we can be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. The deeper our relationship with Father gets, the more we begin to see into who he is, even though we still only have a glimpse in this life. The more we grow in our confidence in him and his trust, that he is trustworthy. We grow in the knowledge that he is trustworthy and dependable and that he has a reason for everything he does, says, allows. He has a reason for it all. So going on in James, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. There's nothing that we need that God will not supply. Sometimes he wants us to ask for it. But go on here. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts, and this, you guys, is where the mind battle with the satanic forces is either won or lost. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Back and forth. It's like... One minute, somebody will say, well, I believe God, I trust God, I believe him. And the next minute, they're going, 
no, 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 wait, wait, what if he's not, you know, he can't, oh my goodness, this problem is really big and I'm not even sure he's paying attention. Just imagine the waves coming into the shore and then going back out into the sea and coming back into the shore and going back out into the sea. It's that double-mindedness. That's just a, a picture of what he's talking about here. If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. I think the King James Version says, who upbraideth not. God doesn't make fun of us. He doesn't have a, a problem with us asking. And it goes on and says, and it will be given him. But here's the caveat. He says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts. And this again is where the mind battle with the satanic forces is lost is like the wave of the sea. Going on, he says, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded and an unstable man or woman. There's scripture, and I can't remember right where it is, but he says, not the idolaters, the unbelievers, uh, it goes on to all these different things that will not be in the kingdom of heaven. There's a real... God has a real problem with doubt and unbelief. We're, we either believe him or we don't. You know, can you imagine being married and uh, one day, one day you believe your husband and the next day you believe your wife, you believe they love you and all of that, and then the next day you don't. And then the next day you do, and the next day you don't. Just imagine what that does to a relationship. Just imagine, one day they are proving their love to you, the next day they are instead treating you like uh, the carpet under their feet or the dirt under their feet on the path. Do you believe they love you or you don't? They do love you or they don't. And God looks at us and says, listen, you've got to settle this in your mind. Who is your father and who is your God? You cannot be double-minded because until you get past that, don't ask me for anything. I don't come and ask me for something and tell me you believe I'm God. And then I reward you and you turn around and say, well, you know, I don't know that that was God. I mean, after all, I worked really hard to get that job or I, you know, I did all of this stuff and I earned it and I deserve it. God will not reward that kind of thinking. So James 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. There's so much in that. If we're struggling with believing God and, and saying, I, no matter what happens, I, I'm, you are on the throne of my life. You are, I won't play around with this in my mind anymore. I won't walk around in doubt or unbelief. I will only believe you. And when I say I only believe you, then that means I only believe your words as well. And your words say that after I have stood the test, I'm going to receive the crown of life that you promised to those who love you. Now remember the scripture where he says, obedience is love. Where God's concerned, obedience is love. If you love me, you will obey me period. There's no, you know, unless you don't feel like it or you're having a bad day or God says, if you love me, 
you will obey me. That's how you'll show me you love me. So as we walk, as we remain steadfast under trial, and we don't go running off in some wacky direction and get all messed up and fall into doubt and unbelief, and where's God? I thought he was going to help me with this, and whatever the thing is that Satan's dropping into your brain to think of. As we remain steadfast, he says we're going to receive the crown of life that he's promised to those who loved him, who love him. So we walk in obedience. We walk in accordance with his will. And then, as we do it, we remember that he's made promises, and we must believe him for his promises. We must believe him when he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. I've got you. He's trying to prove himself to us constantly. And he shouldn't have to do that. He's God. But we, we're just, oh, we're, that's why we have to walk through the trials. That's why we have to be steadfast in the trials. We're like little children learning how to get up on our feet and walk and stop crawling around on the floor. In verse 13 in James 1, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Just a little side note here, you guys. The Lord said, don't be setting people up to see how they're going to respond. Don't be setting people up to see how they will respond. Because that's manipulation. That's witchcraft. So for those of us who are doing that, God's saying, knock it off. That's wicked. He doesn't tempt us. He doesn't want us tempting other people. And it goes on and says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. That's what has happened all down through the ages. This is where the enemy uses us against ourselves. And he goes on and says, Then desire gives birth to sin. And the reason for that, you guys, is because we entertain the thoughts instead of casting them down. Like it says in those verses, take every thought captive, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, take it captive, cast it down. And, and that desire that gives birth to the sin because we're entertaining the thoughts instead of them instead of casting them down we're listening to the enemy who knows how to tempt us he knows the lusts we haven't conquered he knows the thoughts we play around with mentally things like sexual thoughts like adultery fornication deviant behavior uh, any kind of any kind of uh, unclean sexual thought greed these are just some of the things that we play around with mentally. Greed, oh, I need this. Envy, oh, I need that. You've got that. I should have that. Unforgiveness, resentment, jealousy, pride. And pride just covers so many things. It's that whole, I'm better than this or I'm better than you because I'm more generous. I'm wiser. I'm more handsome. I'm more beautiful. I'm smarter. I know more about the scriptures. I'm richer. I'm, you know, I'm successful. I'm better educated. I look in the mirror and just see how wonderful I am. I'm a narcissist uh, personified right there. And the Lord's saying, these are the things you let the enemy play around with in your brain. And it it's 
it becomes sin. If you don't cast those things down, it says when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. It kills off that intimacy, that relationship with the Lord. We can't afford it. So, unbelief calls God a liar, and that's wickedness, that's evil. You guys, that's self-exaltation, and that's going back to the scripture. He says, um, he says, how did you say a father? You're one of those high things that's, that you haven't taken those thoughts captive. You have exalted yourself above the knowledge of God. So we have to cast all of that stuff down. I don't know about how anybody else does this, but I have to stomp on my head regularly when the enemy comes and says, oh, you're just, wow, this and that and all these things. And I just immediately cast those things down. I cast, I'm not going to let that stuff live in me. Those are vain imaginations. If we listen to doubt and unbelief, we're going to lose the battle. Um, okay. Okay, Father gave me a really good word, word picture to share with you this morning. <laughs> oh, first I have to tell you this. This is like a, a three-word thing, and maybe this is the title of the message. I don't have any idea. But he said, learn or burn. Learn or burn. <laughs> you guys, we have to learn these things. If we want to be with him, we have to learn them and walk in them. And if we don't want to learn, then we'll burn with the, de the demons and the devils. Okay. Um, everything that happens, I'll give you the word picture in a minute. Everything that, we, that happens in our minds and is played out in how we live, well, everything, it's in what we say and do and believe when we're under pressure which is why we have to guard our hearts and our minds because the things that we go through those are the trials that's the test those are the that's when we're under pressure it's so easy just like peter did we i mean how many times are we a bunch of peter down here saying oh i will follow you to the end and i will not deny you and jesus turned around and looked at him and said you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows Okay, guys, so in our moments of strength, and I've done this, I have done this, I've said, okay, Father, I'm strong now, so the next time this particular trial comes with this particular individual, I'm going to blah, 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 and I am going to uh, not fail this time. And then that trial comes again, God says, okay, well, you know, it's going to come again, <laughs> and so get ready, and so when it comes, or when it has come, I may be held on for a minute or two or five, whatever, but then I just fell apart and, and lost again, lost the battle again. So it's when we're under pressure, that's when we have to remain steadfast. I know I kind of backtracked a little bit there, but that's really, that's really important. We can't do anything. that God wants us to do and walk in it and continue to get stronger and stronger in our relationship with him. We can't do anything without the mind of Christ. 
And we're not going to know the mind of Christ if we're not spending time to get to know him. He said he was going to write his word on our hearts, his law on our, heart, on our hearts. Don't you think we have to kind of be with him for him to even get to our hearts? So if we spending time, that whole thing about spending time, spending time requires an investment. It is an investment. But the yield we receive by spending time, the return on our investment is the relationship that brings us confidence in him. It brings us confidence in his words, in his faithfulness, in his love for us, in his power, in his goodness and mercy. It brings us confidence in his authority, in his forgiveness. It brings us confidence in his willingness to uphold us with his righteous right hand. We are not going to get there if we are not in his word and with the word we're not going to get there it's like we're trying we're trying to figure out how to do something we're not equipped to do because we refuse to invest it it's like saying it's like somebody just standing up and saying okay i've decided i'm going to be a brain surgeon and i really want to be a brain surgeon so i'm just going to go get the equipment and start operating on people can't do that <laughs> you you have to know some stuff and we can't get into that deep place in the relationship with the Lord, in, into that place where we have the confidence in Him in all of these things, where we no longer live and walk in doubt and unbelief unless we invest the time. Okay, so... This morning while he was talking to me about all of this, one of the things that uh, he gave me was this word picture, as I said. And I'm going to present it to you this way. Imagine that your mind is a table. It's a table. And doing all of these things to get to know the Lord, to learn to believe him, to trust him, to, to go through the tests and remain steadfast, and drawing nearer to him. Imagine that that is uh, everything that, that you put on the table to set the table up. Okay, let's say it this way. You're in a restaurant and you look at this table and you have all of these different utensils that you use. They're the tools you use to eat with the fork and the knife and the spoon and the cup to drink out of and the glass for water and all of that. Okay, so now here comes your server. And remember, your table is your mind. Here comes your server. And the server just dumps a bunch of nasty food on your plate and pours poison into your cup. and stands there and encourages you to eat it and tells you how wonderful it is. This is what the enemy is doing with our minds. And the poison he pours, it's so many things. The nasty food is so many things. It's the negative thoughts. It's the discouragement and the depression and the hopelessness and the despair. 
It's the doubt and the unbelief. It's the jealousy and the anger and the unforgiveness and the resentment and the bitterness and the wrath. It's the death and the dying. It's all of those things that are meant to rob, kill, and destroy you of the life that Father has for you. Look around in the restaurant and see where you've chosen to set your table. So your mind is a table and you ask yourself, whose restaurant is it in? Look at it like this, guys. Wherever you eat, that's like your practice for the marriage supper of the lamb. So the key to it is this. Every bite you eat either feeds you life or poison. Every thought you think and allow to be in your brain, things that you allow to focus yourself to focus on, things you concentrate and think about and think about and think about. It's either feeding you life or it's feeding you poison. Remember in Proverbs it says the power of life and death is in the tongue and those who use it will eat its fruits. Well, it starts in your mind. The thought drops into your mind. If you don't cast it down and it's not a good thought, you're going to entertain it. You're going to let it stay in there for a while. And you're going to feel justified doing it because we all do. Oh, well, you know, they did me wrong or this, that, or the other. But if you let it continue to remain there, that's the poison on the, in the cup and the nasty food on the plate that the enemy is trying to serve you in his restaurant. Scripture talks about, I said this part a while ago, we have to take every thought captive everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So how are we going to know what the knowledge of God is? How are we going to know anything? God said in, I believe it was in Proverbs, he said, I want you to get wisdom. I want you to get knowledge, but with it, get understanding. Learn how to use the tools on the table. I just, you guys, this is just so awesome. Our Father is, He sees everything with all of us at the same time. And I, and I hear some of us really thinking about this. If we don't know our scriptures and if we don't spend time with God 
the doubt and unbelief will remain, and we will continue to sit at that table, our table, in that wrong restaurant. And listen, somebody, somebody is going to be seated on God's throne in your heart and mine. And the question is, who is it going to be? The one we choose to listen to is the one we serve. It is the one we worship. It's the one we follow and the one we obey. The enemy comes and says, well, you're just not doing very well. You're just not doing very well, so go ahead and be discouraged. And that's not enough. Go ahead and get depressed. Oh, and that's not enough. Be, be angry because where is God in all of this? Why is he letting you go through these things? When we sit and listen to the enemy and we receive his words and we don't cast them down, we have chosen who is sitting on the throne of our hearts the hearts that were made by the Lord God Almighty, the one who wants to be our Father and our God. It's one of the reasons he says to us, look, if you're going to be double-minded about this, I'm not giving you anything. You're going to have to make up your mind. Are you going to serve Satan? You're going to serve me. You're going to believe Satan? You're going to believe me. Are you going to eat his food? You're going to eat my food. And by eating our food, you're deciding as you sit in your mind and let these things roll around you are deciding who is on the throne of your heart and when he showed me this morning the table all laid out and everything then i looked he let me see farther and i he showed me I don't know, how do i say this father i saw the tablecloth and everything on the table disappear taken away and underneath that underneath that cloth it was the throne of god it was the throne of god with all the good food all the good uh all of the good nourishment underneath that cloth with all of those things that the table was he puts food in us if we will believe him if we will remain steadfast if we will choose to invest the time to get to know him he will feed us good things and those good things mean tests as well they mean trials they mean all the way through scripture it also means him saying to us look one of the good things i'm going to feed you is to let you know that when you're going through hard things i'm right there i've got you i'm the almighty god i'm the all-powerful god i uphold you with my righteous right hand and nothing can take you out of my hand you guys for us to get out of god's hand we literally have to climb out of it and people may have a problem with me saying that but that's the truth because god will not take from us the free will that he's given us if you choose to turn your back on god there you go he's not going to stop you 
If you choose to deny him because you've been through so much and you just feel so put out like you've been, you know, treated unfairly and God should have done a better job and blah, 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 then first of all, you've listened to the enemy. And secondly, you've given into the lusts of your own flesh. Thirdly, you've made your mind, your understanding, the throne that God should be sitting on, not you. This relationship with him is incredibly hard and incredibly easy. All through scripture, he tells us, I'll take care of you. Hold on to me. I'll take care of you. Hold on to me. I'm going to read something to you. Okay. I was going to, I actually read these verses last night on uh, TLC, the TLC podcast, but there were others I had in mind, but I can't think of them right offhand, but it's, oh golly. Okay, but I'm going to read these because this is what the Lord's put in front of me now. This is from the book of Deuteronomy and I'm in chapter six and Moses is talking to the people of Israel who were just as rebellious and stubborn as we have been all through the ages. Now, he says, now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. And obviously this was before uh, Father was going to take them across the Jordan into the Promised Land. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, he's saying, don't forget what God has done. Don't forget that we are to obey him. Don't forget to fear the Lord. Teach this to your children and your children's children. Verse 10, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns or wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. 
Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God in, the, in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and statutes with he, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. I'm going to stop there. Nothing has changed. If we're going to know the Lord, remember what he said. <laughs> The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the beginning of wisdom. We can't just go be a brain surgeon because we want to. We have to study. We have to decide who sits on the throne of our hearts. Whose thoughts are we allowing to hold a place for us in our minds. Do we fear God or don't we? Part of fearing God, you know, he's talking in here about how the Lord brought them out of the land of Egypt. They were in slavery, they were in bondage. You guys, how many of us are still in slavery and still in bondage? How many of us are still uh, seated in that place where we just we can't seem to get out of it. I think it's because, first of all, do we really want out of it? Secondly, and maybe this should be first, do we believe God? From the beginning of this book till the end, he makes promise after promise after promise. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I am. This is who I am. I'm mighty and strong. I'm mighty to save. And he says time and time again, I will take care of you. Don't be afraid. I will take care of you. Don't be afraid. Fear me. Obey me. Follow me. I will take care of you. Don't be afraid. I have no equal. There is no other God besides me. God sits in the heavens and laughs at the demons and the devils and the plans of man. He's given us this precious gift of being able to choose him or not. 
He's not willing for any of us to be lost. But these are choices that we have to make. And it starts truly just as it did in the garden. It starts with the thoughts we choose to think, the things we choose to believe. I don't want to go burn because I doubt God or because I'm in unbelief. Because I'm basically saying to him when I doubt him and I don't believe him, I'm basically saying to him, you're not who you said you are. You're not as powerful. I mean, you know, hey, you're probably not any more powerful than the devil. I'm pretty much saying to God, I don't believe you are who you say you are. So I'm calling him a liar when I do that. This is why he's not going to have doubters and unbelievers in his kingdom. We pick every day we choose who sits on the throne of our hearts, whose table we're eating at in our brain, in our mind, in our thoughts. What fare? Are we eating the poison the enemy gives us? Are we only eating what God serves us? Are we standing fast in the trials, in the tests that come every single day? And they do come every day. You don't even have to go anywhere. You don't even have to see another human being. And you can still be in a test because it's all going on in your mind. There's the trial. Who do you listen to? Whose fare do you eat? Whose throne? Who is sitting on that throne? So guys, I know sometimes I sound like I'm just yelling at you. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, I'm hearing God say, my people have got to wake up to what's real. When we sit around and say, I can't, I just can't, it's too hard, I'm so tired, I'm so weary, I can't endure to the end, I hope the Lord just comes really soon because it's too much. All you're doing is showing, you're showing your true colors, which are, your faith is very small, your trust in God is very small. Your confidence, your belief in him is so small that you don't think that he has the strength you need to be able to endure to the end. You don't think he has you in his righteous right hand, that he's upholding you when the enemy comes and tries to take you out of his hand. And you're thinking, maybe I should just climb down out of his hand because this is getting too hard. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up, you guys, if that's where you are. Our God is mighty to save. He is powerful. He is the almighty God. Somebody, well, many people have said this to me, and I've walked it so I know exactly what this is. When I look back at my life, this is what I'll hear stuff like this. When I look back at my life and how I have failed so many times, it's just so hard and so discouraging, and I just can't stop looking at it. Yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. Because when you keep looking back and you keep embracing that, you're letting it roll around in your mind and Satan is feeding you the poison of your past. But if you will clear that table and kick him out and put in its place those things that Father has said, when you repent, I hear you. When you ask for forgiveness, I hear you. When you turn away from your sins, I forgive you. When you confess your sins, I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm faithful to do that. And then you look at the food on your table and you see hope and you see life. 
because you have believed you have believed his word you guys what's ahead of us is going to be so hard and I you know I hear so many people say oh doom and gloom I don't need to defend those words because we're all going to experience it. God is not just trying to get us ready for what we face on this earth, although he is trying to get us ready. But he's, he's trying to prepare us for eternity so that we can be part of that bride that's seated at the marriage supper of the Lamb so that we can be in our clean garments that we have kept clean. One of the ways we, in this Revelation 19 I'm talking about here, one of the ways we keep those garments clean, our righteous acts, deeds, all of that, is by casting down every vain imagination that comes against us. I have to tell you this dream. I know I'm going long, and I don't know who all is going to stay. I just hope. Oh, I hope you're getting things out of this. I have to tell you this dream. It's not long. In the dream, um, I was back in the house that we lived in when I was 12 years old. My father had left the family, and uh, mom was trying to raise us. I was there. We were there for a few years before I ran away from home because I just couldn't take all the stuff. I was a messed up kid. And in this dream father put me back in that house and I was standing it was a two-story house old old house broken down house and I was on the second floor and I was coming down the steps and to the right at the bottom of the staircase was a wall and the dining room and then you went through the dining room on the right and the kitchen was there we never had much food unless people brought us food. There's a reason I'm telling you these things, not so you'll go, oh, poor Vicki. I'm telling you these things because God was setting the stage for my mindset and what he was going to do. What he was showing me was the reality of how I viewed things. And standing in the kitchen in the dream was Satan, and he was a scrawny thing. Um, I know scripture talks about how he was beautiful and all this kind of stuff, but spiritually, no. Mm -mm. He was a scrawny thing, and he was literally shaking because he knew when I came down out of that second floor of poverty with every single step, and it was a poverty mindset, it was a poverty lifestyle, all of it, when I came down out of that off that staircase and got went around the corner into the kitchen I would see him for who he is and that terrified him because I would know all of the things he had been doing all of my life all of the destruction all of the damage all the provocation all of the temptation all of the lies all the deception all the death everything he had done through my whole life I would see it for what it was.
when God tells us from the beginning of his word to the end of his word, I'm going to take care of you. And he makes us promises like he did to the children of Israel before he took them over into the promised land. And he says, look, you're going to have houses you didn't build. I'm giving them to you. You're going to have vineyards you didn't plant. You're going to have wells you didn't dig. You're going to have olive trees that you didn't grow. And you're going to be you're going to eat and be full, but you have got to remember not to forget, not to forget that I am the one that's done this. I'm the one that took you out of the poverty. I am the one that took the poverty out of you. I took you out of bondage. And from the beginning to the end of my word in my scriptures all the way through I tell you I am faithful I am faithful I am mighty to save I am strong I am the Lord God Almighty trust me believe me walk with me let me be the one that sets the table let me be the one that feeds you the food that will keep your garments clean that will bring you into my kingdom because you have believed me and just like I took Abraham out of the land of Ur on a journey he had no idea we were gonna where we were gonna go but because he believed me because he followed me because he believed what I said to him I made him the father of faith and I called him my friend because he believed me God has not forgotten us we have things in front of us we need to know that he is our father and he is our god and we need to stop entertaining the demonic thoughts that come to get us to believe that none of that is true that god's not going to take care of us he's not going to watch out for us he's not strong enough he demands too much he's allowing us to go through hard things and if we're really his kids why is he allowing it the lies go on and on and on we have to get to that place dear brothers and sisters if we're not there yet where we say I don't care what I go through as long as you're the one that's there with me in it I don't care what I go through I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe your word. I'm not going to keep dwelling on these thoughts that tell me that I can't make it, that I'm not good enough, that you won't take care of me, that you're not as strong as you say you are. I'm not going to listen to the lies that say you need to stay mad at that person and not forgive them because what they've done is so horrible. Or these people over here that have this thing going on and it's so wrong and so you better just get out there and tell them what you think and all believe God only believe God that's his call to us today well I've gone an hour and six minutes now and so I know that I need to hang up <laughs> but I <clears throat> I don't want to do it without a, a prayer first I want to read this to you because he had me write this down life in poison in let's start with the poison put poison in poison comes out of you you are what you believe, what you think, and what you eat. So life in you, you pour life into you, God's word, that relationship in you, life in, life out. Your mind is renewed, your faith is strengthened, your relationship with Father flourishes, you stand solidly against the enemy, you grow in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord and your understanding increases, you keep the helmet of salvation on, 
no vacillating. No vacillating. No back and forth. I believe I don't believe. I, I believe I don't believe. You are covered in the full armor of God and you stand firmly against all of the fiery darts of the enemy because you know God as Father and as God, even as our Savior did. Then, then you have the mind of Christ. He didn't just say, I'm just going to drop it in you and then you're going to know everything. If that was true, why are we struggling? Why is anybody struggling? If all we have to do is go get dunked in the water, come up out of the water, say, I believe in the Lord, you're my Savior, blah, 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 I'm going to show up in church a couple times a week, I'm going to pour money into the plate or the basket or the bag or whatever it is, I'm going to try not to do these few things over here that I maybe I should get rid of, but uh, you probably don't really care, God. Where is the mind of Christ in that? The mature believer, the mature follower, is going to invest the time. The mature follower is going to know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning. We demonstrate whether or not we honor and respect and believe him for being who he is. And that is wisdom. And that is the fear of the Lord. All right, you guys, I love you. I'm going to get off here for now. God bless you. May God bless you. I know he will. I, do. <laughs> I say that, and then I, I'm reminded of scriptures where he says, it rains on the good and the evil. God blesses us every single day. Thank you, Father, for your blessings. Thank you for every person who comes and listens to the things that you share with me to share with all of us. Thank you, Father. I ask you once again to let the words of your truth go deep into our spirits. Bless us to, to uh, choose to water those words with the thoughts we think so that they grow up into strong, strong uh, belief and understanding and into deep relationship with you. We bless your name. You are the one true God. We love you, Father. We pray these things in the name of our, of our Savior, the Word of God. Father, please help people stop arguing over what your name is. Please help us stop arguing over whether or not Messiah hung on a tree or a cross. Please help us stop arguing over things that are, oh my goodness, Father, we just argue like little children. Please help us hear ourselves and hear your heart thank you father for all of these things be glorified in us this day that's our prayer in the name of our savior the word of god faithful and true that name and in the name of the one who we don't even know his name because it says in revelation nobody knows his name you know his name we don't know his name. So, Father, it's in that name that we pray. And we thank you and praise you for all of these things. Be glorified in these words and in this day we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Be back for TLC later. Please leave your comments if you have some things you want to share um, with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And I encourage that a lot because there's a lot of wisdom God's put in the body of Christ. And you know, people, I, you, 
you can go through and read stuff and go, wow, Father, I never looked at it that way or whatever. So please share those things that Father has taught you. And also, please share the messages. Thank you so much. Don't forget to check out Chuck's music channel. Love you guys. Bye for now.